illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half in the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgate. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beej. How in the hell are you doing this week, Beej? You know, Billy, I'm I'm not doing too bad. I went and I saw um, the eyes of Tammy Faye Friday night. How was that? Actually, it was it was so so. If people don't know this about me, I have movie night every Friday night with a friend of mine. And so every Friday night we go see a movie. We got these Regal movie passes, so we pay twenty one dollars a month to see unlimited movies. So we just make sure that we go see a movie every Friday night. And uh, not much out right now, but the eyes of Tammy Faye was the the new release this week. Um, the acting on it, I felt, was phenomenal. Uh, who was it? Garfield, the guy who played Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he played Jim Baker. Um, I, I can't remember who played uh, Tammy Faye. But Jessica she, Chastain. Yeah, she did a phenomenal job. I mean, just phenomenal. And um, it was... You know, I don't know if our listener uh, ever watched PTL back in the 80s and stuff like that. PTL was a praise the Lord network. Uh, you know, back in those days, there was like only 20 channels on cable. You had like your your four core channels, and then you had like Disney and Nickelodeon and ESPN, CNN, and, and praise the Lord on there. And I don't think anybody who lived in the late 80s could not forget seeing Tammy Faye Baker as you scrolled through the channels on there in her, her fake tan color skin and her tons over, of makeup overdone. Oh my God, just tons of makeup. And, uh, this, this movie actually kind of makes you feel sorry for her. 
Yeah. You know, she she was actually, and if they portray her close to what she was in real life, she was a, a Christian person. You know, she wasn't. I don't think she was fake in that respect. She they, like they they tried to kind of reiterate that she really loved people. Yeah. You know, she cared for people. Her heart was deep for people, but she had a, a ridiculous lifestyle mm-hmm. um, because of the money that was donated to them. But there was a lot of drama that went on in that that whole scenario. Oh, yeah. But anyway, it, it was it was just it was interesting. Uh, kind of my heart kind of at the end of it, your heart kind of led for. Her. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jim Baker was kind of a really piece of piece of crap. Piece of work. Yeah. So, well, yeah, and it's it's funny because when I heard those two were playing it, I was like, they don't look anything like it. But what I've seen, Andrew Garfield actually pulls off a pretty oh, good Jim Baker. And from what I've seen, job. Jessica Chastain really disappears into that Tammy Faye role. Oh, it, it absolutely does. I didn't realize she had her eyebrows and her lip lines tattooed. Oh, yeah, that makes Tammy sense. Tammy Faye Baker did. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, they didn't go into the they, – uh, it looks like uh, her daughter and maybe – I'm assuming Jim Baker's still alive. Tammy Faye passed away. Yeah, she had cancer um, or something, didn't she? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because they do go a little bit after the fact where she was trying to just resuscitate her career. Yeah, because she did some stuff with Jim J. Bullock and stuff, didn't she? Uh, you know, I don't know about that. They they did ask her to go on and, and sing at, um, who was it, Oral Roberts University mm-hmm. uh, a few years after, maybe a decade afterwards. You know, they didn't talk about her real life. What, what was that reality show that she was on with um, – Oh, uh, who's the guy who's hung like a Himalayan yak who's now going to prison for rape? Uh, oh, um, uh, 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 Ron Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. They didn't ever talk about the Ron Jeremy reality show that she did. Mm-hmm. Wasn't wasn't I can't remember. They they stuck like five or six people, her, Ron Jeremy, and a bunch of other people in a house together, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So he couldn't get any more opposite than uh, Ron Jeremy and Tammy Faye Baker. So. But anyway, so good movie. If you get bored, want to watch a good movie, I highly recommend it. Yeah, cool. So, so how was your weekend, Billy? Well, and I would say yes, Jim Baker is still alive, and he is eighty-one. Wow. Yeah, my weekend was great. We have, we have a great Beaver game to talk about, don't we? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So I actually went and worked at Suds for the first time in eighteen months. And and. So so it was, here, here, it was slow. They just needed someone to fill in because everybody so else nobody's was at suds watch, Nobody's at Suds watching the game? They're, they're just, they're, there's still a lot of people scared to go out and sit in the bar. So there was a handful of people there at any mm-hmm. one time. But because uh-huh. the game was so late and we closed at 11. Mm-hmm. So so what, what, what our listener doesn't know is that when you watch a game with Billy, he's got his headphones in and he's listened to the yeah. – uh, the the broadcast from uh, uh what's his face um called dang it it's mike parker mark parker yeah so he listened to parker and what you don't know is he's usually anywhere from five to eight seconds ahead of the tv broadcast so you're sitting there watching the game and then the ball isn't snapped yet and bill's up out of the seat holding his you know like like clenching his fist like like something stressful's going on and then he goes, oh, you know, like something good happened. 
and you're like, what the hell happened? You go, just watch. <laughs> so I, I'm over at mom and dad's house last night watching the game with them, and I'm just dad, – dad calls you, and I'm like, you know, if Billy's there sitting there, I said he's probably doing all this shit taunting the people at uh, Suds. Actually, the next I, I was very subdued. Okay. I okay. was very subdued. But every once in a while, I would look at somebody who wasn't paying attention. I'd be like, look at the screen. Just look at the screen. Look at the screen. <laughs> and they'd go, okay. <laughs> so the funny uh, one was I was there training a new manager at Suds or at uh, Woodstocks the night um, for uh, 2018 when the Beavers were playing in the national championship for baseball. The, okay. the night they won the first game. So not the clinching okay. game, but the first game. And I was back and forth because I'd go check on how it was going, how the person was managing and how that. Then I'd go back over to Suds and just kind of stay out of their way so they can kind of run the show and then go back just to kind of check on things. But mm-hmm. I, the whole time I've got a one earbud in. And so I'm sitting there and everything's, you know, at the end of that game is kind of going to crap before the beefs come back. And mm-hmm. I'm people are getting mad at me because something would happen and I'd get pissed and go walking out the door. And then 10, 15 seconds later, the play would happen and everyone would get pissed. So everyone's kind of getting pissed at me. So I'm trying to be calm, right? And not mm-hmm. not show anything either way if it's going good. But our friend, you know, Dave, little Dave, mm-hmm. he was just, the stress was killing him. So there's one point where that ball gets popped up in the air and they dropped it. It gets popped up and he's like, oh, it's over. And I'm looking at him like, look at the screen. He's like, what? I'm like, look at the screen. He's like, what? I'm like, look at the screen right now. And so he's what? Oh, oh, you know, and he's screaming. And then, and then when they, when they crack, crack the, uh, when they get the hit to tie the game up and then they get the hit to, to score the two run Homer uh, before it mm-hmm. happens. I mean, he's just a wreck and he can't look at the screen. I just like, look at the screen right now. Just look at the TV. So I was trying to be, let him know it, it's going well. Look at the screen and not piss anybody else off. So, but yeah, last mm-hmm. night there was only a couple people in there watching. So it was all good. But anyways, um, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to talk beaver sports, tailgate, and anything else we find interesting every week and just generally kind of screw around. Remember, you can get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgater at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgater on Twitter, and HeinrichTailgater on Facebook. Beej, are you ready to talk some beaver sports news? Yes. All right. First up, women's volleyball. Okay, let me assume the position. Okay, I'm ready, Billy. The Beavers battled back in the third set, but ultimately fell to number 13 oh, Oregon God. in Eugene <laughs> to open Pac-12 play on Wednesday night in three sets. Then, on Sunday afternoon at McHale Center in Tucson, the Oregon State volleyball team fell to Arizona Wildcats in three sets. Following that loss, the Beavers dropped to 2-10 and overall, 0-2 in the Pac-12. Why do we even show up? So but Volleyball is going to be a tough season. It's going to be is a this, slog. Is, it, is this what you call a rebuilding year? Yeah, I just it's going to be a slog. Weren't we in a rebuilding year last year? It's going to be a slog. Okay. <laughs> yep, it's just going to be a slog. On oh, to women's it's... soccer. Okay. The Still Oregon, in the right position? Uh, the Oregon State women's soccer team opened Pac-12 play on the road against USC in L.A. on Friday, but they fell to the Trojans 2-1. Two and two to one. Junior Abby Schwartz put the Beavers on the board in the 14th minute of play with assists from sophomore Amber Jackson and freshman McKenna Martinez. But the Trojans answered in the 22nd minute to tie the score at 1-1. And then for the next 62 minutes, they held LSU, uh, OSU held USC to a 1-1 tie. 
before the Trojans managed to find the net once again in the 84th minute. And uh, the Beavs next contest will be with Stanford on September 30th at 6 in Stanford, California, before heading to Berkeley to take on Cal on October 3rd at 1 o'clock. The women are now 8-1 overall, 0-1-1 in the Pac-12. Okay. But this is where it all kind of starts to hit, right? Yeah, yeah. Hitting the Pac-12. Well, at least they didn't get dominated. No, no, yeah. So yep. just keep going. Uh, beat Stanford. That's that's the next big thing. All right. All right. Next up is men's soccer. I don't know want to know about your position for that one. The Oregon no, State, <laughs> the Oregon State men's soccer team battled uh, UC Santa Barbara, and it ended in a one-one draw after double overtime last Tuesday night at Lorenz Field in Corvallis. I know that's got to make you happy. Mm-hmm. The Beavs are now four-one and one on the season, and they had actually had a pretty good turnout of students. They had 617 students in the Beaver Dam for the game last week. So that's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. Now the Beavs took the lead early um, as uh, UCSB's goalkeeper bounced a pass off his own defender for an own goal in the third minute of play. Really? Yep. But the Gauchos tied it up 1-1 in the 76th minute, and that which puts the game into overtime where it was called a draw after double overtime. And finally, this week, Beach, we have a little bit of women's cross country. Okay. The Oregon State women's cross country team finished fifth overall as a team with 170 points at the Dellinger Invite hosted by Oregon in Springfield on Thursday. Redshirt sophomore Grace Featherstonehow notched a 10th place finish and was the first Beaver across the line. Uh, the Beavs will head up to Salem for the Charles Bowles Invite hosted by Willamette University on October 2nd. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So it was good to see everything getting back in. Classes are back in session. It's good to see all the energy going on back down around campus. Speaking of energy, Beach, what's that noise? Oh, no. Yes, Beach. You know, I, 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 I'm surprised you can't hear it with it going off two feet behind your head. I, well, I know. I mean, the thing takes up like half my office. Hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. U of O apologizes to the entire community for their inability to manage traffic on campus move-in day. Traffic on September 23rd throughout Eugene was a cluster f- due to the lack of the abilities of the educated idiots who run the university to process students effectively and efficiently. They've only been doing this sh- for 145 years and haven't learned a damn thing. If you're thinking or, or if you are or thinking about becoming a U of O student, you should take a serious look at your choices in life. And this has been your update from Eugene. <laughs> That's funny. Seriously, traffic was a cluster on the 23rd. Were you down there? No, no. But the, the social media blew up uh, for really? the university, apologizing to the community. Really? Uh, they said they it was it was it must have been terrible. Well, so, yeah. Like we're talking hours of uh, we're we're talking not even like awesome Stadium football problems. We're we're talking. I I will have just, to say, they do a good job with awesome getting people out of there. Well, apparently they don't do well with the rest of the university. Yeah, probably not. They, um, they said it was because they had to test people and confirm their COVID testing stand and vaccination standards. But still, 
they should have had a clue on how many people are going in and be able to get them off of the roadway. You'd so. think. You know, when, when we started school, which, you know, for me that was 30 freaking years ago, uh, we didn't have a move-in day. The, the dorms opened up on, like, Sunday, and you had until basically the next Sunday to move in. So you had a whole week. You had a whole week, and you could show up on Monday, you could show up on Wednesday, you could Friday. I know some people showed up on Sunday. I think I came down, like, Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I waited a little bit. I, I don't even remember much of my, my Oregon State college career. I mean, granted, it only lasted, what, five months? Mm-hmm. But um, I... I remember learning my social security number because that's what you had to use to get anything when you were there. <laughs> yeah. Because that's all they tracked you by. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I learned my social security number is Oregon State. And I think when you registered, you actually had to wait in line. When I registered, yes. everything was fun. Yes, I, I, it's and funny. So I, I, I tell my employees that because they talk about, oh, I have to get online and register for classes. And I was like, you know, my first year down there, you had to go down to Guild Coliseum and wait in line. For each class. Mm-hmm. So it was multiple line waiting. I go, I thought it was amazing. Like my second year, I think, where I went to phones. And the phone was a pain because you had to punch in all the numbers, mm-hmm. you know, sequentially. But it was a hell of a lot better than, wait, better than waiting in line. I said, now you guys yeah. get online and do it all. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> no, it's the, you guys punch like through a bunch like, of things. Yeah. You know, back in my day, you don't realize how hard it was. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't that long ago, right? Doesn't feel like it. Yeah. All righty, so. Beach. Well, are you ready to go under further review for week number four in Pac-12 football? After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown. Ooh, yes, let's do this. All right, Beach. I will, before we start, I will say you had a very good week. Ooh. So heading into the week, you were in the lead at 21 out of 28. I was at 18 out of 28. And Kyle, I hate you, Kyle, was at 17 out of 28. So, And we are not picking the Beaver games this year. We've just taken those out because we always pick the Beavs. And we don't want to be put in the position of not picking the Beavs. Mm-hmm. So this week we had five games. Okay. Now, now that we're down to uh, mostly uh, – conference games we'll be down to six you know six five or six games to pick most every yep. week all right beach so yep. all the games were on saturday september 25th now did you watch any games other than the beaver game uh the only game that i saw a part of because it was during halftime was the husky game okay all right. well first up beach was washington state at utah we all picked uh, the utah utes billy that is right. T.J. Pledger rushed for 117 yards and the go-ahead touchdown as Utah came from behind to beat Washington State 24-13 on Saturday afternoon in the Utes' Pac-12 opener. Now, Pledger, a transfer from Oklahoma, who only had 11 yards coming into the game, ran for 20 yards for a touchdown with 4.53 left to play. Clark Phillips for Utah then took an interception 54 yards to score a Clinching TD with 2.19 left. Now, Beach, in that game, the Cougs forced seven fumbles, recovering three, with at least two others that were saved by replay. The last, really? the last one came with 10.18 to play when Daniel Issam hit Chris Curry just before he crossed the goal line and Travian Brown recovered in the end zone. Yeah, so Utah, seven fumbles. They only lost three. Although two were overturned by replay, but still, that's seven fumbles. That's crazy. Now, the Wazoo players, Beach, in that game 
we're dealing with more than what was happening on the field. Early Saturday morning near the Wazoo campus, one person was killed, and Brandon Gray, a junior wide receiver, was also shot and in serious but stable condition. Right? What, what, why? Where? What? It was at an it was at an on on uh, uh, campus party. Right oh. now, that news shook the team, um, who was already in Salt Lake. Why wasn't he with the team? Uh, he just didn't travel. Okay. He's not on the travel squad. You don't take everybody okay. on the travel squad. So, but gotcha. then in a weird happenstance, uh, Saturday evening, Utah football player Aaron Lowe was fatally shot early Sunday in Salt Lake City. Yet less than a year after a teammate and friend, Ty Jordan, was killed in an accidental shooting. Salt Lake City police said Lowe, 21, died on the scene in a shooting at a house party in the city's Sugar House neighborhood. A second person um, was also shot is in serious but stable condition. Or, or sorry, was also shot and was in critical condition at a local at a local hospital. Did they catch the perpetrator? Not yet, no. And what's sad wow. is is uh, Aaron Lowe, who's the one that was shot. He had just received the Ty Jordan Memorial Scholarship um, that was named for his friend Ty Jordan, who was killed in an accidental shooting less than a year before. So he actually got the he got the scholarship. Yep. And now he died. Now he died. Yeah. And it's just. It's, so did he play? And he played that game. Yeah, he played all. He played in all four games this year. So he played in the game, and a few hours later, he was dead. Wow. Yeah. It's just crappy. So figured you hadn't heard that, so No, no, that that's just that just sends the hell out of me. Yeah. It's just it's just a waste. It's a waste of life. And I don't like to see it. But we all got the win there. Next up was UCLA at Stanford. You know, I uh I begrudgingly picked uh, Chip Bitch Tits Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, and you guys picked uh, picked the Cardinal. Yep. Uh, as Kyle would say, F Chip Kelly. Well, yep. Beach, UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson threw a tie-breaking 70-yard TD pass early in the fourth quarter and came back from a banged-up shoulder to throw a clinching touchdown late that helped number 24 UCLA spoil Stanford's return home with a 35-24 victory over the Cardinal on Saturday. Now, Stanford had played its last seven games away from home because of COVID-19 protocols last season and a tough opening schedule this year. The Cardinal managed to win six of those games but came out flat against the Bruins. UCLA broke out to a 14-0 lead and then, after letting Stanford battle back to tie it, got the biggest play of the game when Thompson Robinson found Kyle Phillips open deep over the middle for the long TD on the next play from scrimmage. Well, Chip Kelly's always been a fan of the big plays. Yes. Yep. He does like those. Wow. What mm-hmm. they call those explosion plays. So yep. you got the win there. Okay. All right. Next up, Cal at Washington. Oh, I think we were all uh, we all said go dogs. That we did. Cameron Williams and Jackson Sermon combined to force Cal's Damian Moore to fumble at the one-yard line in overtime, and Washington escaped with a 31-24 win over the Golden Bears on Saturday night in the Pac-12 opener for both teams. Now, Washington started overtime with Sean McGrew scoring his second touchdown to give the Huskies the lead. 
Cal seemed poised to force a second overtime session, but Moore was hit hard by Williams and Sermon before he reached the goal line. The ball popped free, and Ryan Bowman pounced on the loose ball, setting off a wild celebration that was briefly muted while the fumble was confirmed by video replay. Mm. So, came down to it, but uh, they knocked the ball loose just before he got across the line, and so uh, the Huskies won. Crazy. I do agree. So, we all got the win there. Okay. Next up, Arizona at Oregon. And Kyle picked Arizona. You and I picked uh, Oregon. This is true. Oregon quarterback Anthony Brown threw for 206 yards and three TDs. And the Ducks handed the Wildcats their 16th straight loss with a 41-19 victory on Saturday night. Now, Oregon extended its winning streak at Autzen Stadium to 15 games. The Ducks are now the lone undefeated team left in the Pac-12. Now, after Arizona got uncomfortably close in the third quarter, Oregon scored 17 unanswered points to put the game away in the fourth. The Wildcats closed within 24-19 on Drake Anderson's one-yard touchdown run. But then Oregon extended its lead with Camden Lewis's 43-yard field goal early in the fourth quarter, then added Brown's 18-yard scoring pass to Spencer Webb to make it 34-19 with 8.26 left. Then Bennett Williams had a 68-yard interception return for a touchdown on Arizona's ensuing series, which sealed Oregon's victory. So Arizona's not good. I was surprised how close they were hanging with Oregon into the fourth quarter. That that's what surprised me. I, I kind of expected it to just be a cakewalk for him, and I was surprised. But you know, I, I don't mean to. Arizona's always seemed to do well against Oregon in the past. I yes, or, they have. Didn't there was a couple years ago that they took Oregon out of like an undefeated season, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And I just always remember them always having trouble with I with Arizona. I think that was Not, 2010. Was it that long ago? Yeah. It, it was when they had their quarterback with the pencil-thin legs. Um, I can't think of who was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 2010. Yeah, I remember that it ended in an injury, uh, that game, but the Wildcats came out on top. Yep. So, but anyway. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Uh, all right, so we got that. And we, you and I got the win. Kyle did not. That's not good for Kyle. And the last game that we picked, Beach. Colorado at Arizona State. And we all picked the uh, Sun Devils on this one. That we did. Arizona State quarterback Jaden Daniels threw for 236 yards and ran for two TDs. Rachad White added rushing and receiving touchdowns. And Arizona State beat Colorado 35-13 in the Pac-12 opener for both teams. (coughs) Arizona State bounced back from last week's loss to BYU that caused the program to drop out of the top 25. The Sun Devils never trailed this game, controlling the flow of the game with steady offense and solid defense. Now, they sealed the game early in the fourth quarter when Daniels threw a lateral across the field to Ricky Pearsall, who then fired a return forward pass across the field to White, who ran 30 yards for the touchdown and a 28-10 lead. Now, Daniels capped Arizona State's scoring with a 15-yard touchdown run. He completed 18 of 25 passes on the day and also ran for a team-high 75 yards. The Sun Devils outgained the Buffs 436 to 250. Wow. Yeah, I just don't... 
I, I'm not impressed with Colorado. I just I don't think their coach is very good. Carl Durrell is probably a nice guy. He just doesn't seem like a great X's and O's guy, and he's not very dynamic, and I just don't see him lasting long in Colorado. Think he'll make it through the year? Yeah, because he's brand new, but I don't know if he'll make it more than two or three years. Mm-hmm. Unless something changes, but I just, like I said, he doesn't seem to be a great X's and O's guy, and he's not dynamic where he's out there motivating guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you can be that dynamic guy if you've got great X's and O's guys underneath you, or you mm-hmm. can be a great X's and O's guys as long as you got dynamic coaches underneath you. And I don't see either of those things happening. So, mm-hmm. all right, so we all got the win there. So, Beach, you had a perfect week. I son of well, perfect week is when Oregon State wins. But, uh, Ducks was, but I had a good, good. You had a good, good week on our yeah. picks. So after week, what is this week? I had a week in the picks. Week four, you ended up at twenty six out of thirty three. I'm at twenty two out of thirty three, and Kyle is at twenty out of thirty three. You got a pretty good league going. Yeah. Oh. You have a basically a yeah. You got you got basically a whole week's lead over Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. So. so. But we're only a third of the way through the season. We got a long ways to go. No, I can still I can still fall uh, fall harshly here. That's true. So. All right, Beach, and mm-hmm. our last game of the se- of the uh, week, the one that we were most looking forward to, Oregon State at USC. Unfreaking believable. All right. Well, I'll go through this first, Beach. Oregon State quarterback Chance Nolan threw four touchdown passes, and Oregon State beat Southern California 45-27 on Saturday. Tyjon Lindsey had five receptions for 102 yards and two touchdowns. Running back B.J. Baylor ran for 158 yards, and the Beavers ended a 24-game losing streak dating to 1960 at the Los Angeles Memorial Call season. It was their fourth win in 49 road games in the series, where the Beavers are 4 42 and three in the Coliseum. Wow. Yeah. So they had as many wins as ties as they had in that, in that damn building until yesterday. That's crazy. USC quarterback Keaton Slovis threw for 355 yards and one touchdown and three interceptions as the Trojans lost their second straight home game as double-digit favorites. It was the first home game for interim coach Dante Williams, who replaced Clay Helton two days after a 48-28 loss to Stanford on September 11th. Now, Oregon State used a dominant run game and Nolan's precise passing to methodically wear down USC, scoring touchdowns on five straight dives starting in the second quarter. That included consecutive 92-yard marches, the latter capped by Treshawn Harrison's 36-yard scoring grab with 44 seconds left in the first half that put the Beavs up for good. Nolan was 15 of 19 passing for 213 yards, though he did throw his first two interceptions of the season, but he also added 57 yards rushing. Now, Oregon State ran for 319 yards on the night, repeatedly gashing USC's defense with fly sweeps and others' runs to the perimeter. Those plays opened up play-action passes, with tight end Keegan Quintariano left all alone to catch Nolan's opening touchdown. There was some beautiful open plays. Oh. The the, the running game was phenomenal. Um, the only thing that was pissing me off was, who's number five? Austin. Oh, my God. Holding every... Well, yeah, and our, some of those plays... Yes, I, I totally saw mm-hmm. it. 
But there was a couple other. I'm like, and that was that was chintzy at best. Um, well, and there was a lot of missed holding calls on the line. But I agree um, against them. But the um, I, I I was reading some comments on Pure Orange, and I, I love what somebody said. It's like, there's too many dang penalties, and somebody says. Well, yeah, but I remember quite a few years ago, we had a team coached by a guy named Erickson that had a hell of a lot of penalties, and they took us to the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and, like, oh. and sometimes uh, th- that, you know, they had, they were playing a lot of man on that London for USC, and that guy's a hell of a receiver. He's he a hell looked of, like he got beat up, though. He, he's yeah, a, he he's a hell of an was. athlete because he played baseball for USC for a season, too. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And he's a hell of an athlete. And, but, you know, sometimes you're better off to take the penalty than let them complete the pass. True. Absolutely you know? true. And I have to say, you know, he needs to kind of look at Nishan Wright, who probably sometimes could get called for some of those same kind of penalties, but he's always looking for the ball at the end. Mm-hmm. So he's always turning his head, trying to catch, you know, trying to look for the ball. So I think that saves him some of those um, penalties that Austin gets called on more often. But, you know, hey, whatever it takes, I'm all for it. I thought the offensive play calling was phenomenal. They had USC so off balance, they didn't know what was going on. It was just mm-hmm. a great job of of passing plays, running plays, play action passes. USC just, they were, they didn't know where it was coming from. No, we, we had, uh, it, it was one of the, probably one of the most funnest Oregon State offensive games I've watched in a, in a long, long time. time. Yeah, in a yeah. long time. Where they're playing a very good opponent mm-hmm. and just punching them in the chops. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they were up front, that offensive line was playing phenomenal and they were taking it to USC. And I, I understand USC is what, two and three now? Mm-hmm. I think two and three. But or maybe they're two and two. But those guys, they're they're still athletes that got recruited to USC, right? Mm-hmm. I read something that yep. USC has 47 four- and five-star athletes on that team. The, mm-hmm. Be- the Beavs have seven. Mm-hmm. And they were taking it to them. They were taking it to them. And, you know, a lot of things, Beach, too. When you saw them back in the early 2000s and they – tightened down the number of or late nineties, early two thousands and the NCAA tightened up the number of scholarships every school could offer. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden you didn't have an, a Nebraska or a Michigan sitting on 120 some odd scholarship players. It limited everybody to the same amount. Things kind of evened out. And I think now with the transfer rules where guys can transfer and not have to sit out a year, yeah. You're, you're really seeing things even out even more. Because um, mm-hmm. you look at a lot of those guys like Treshawn Harrison that scored for the Beavs on that beautiful 36-yard pass right before the end of the uh, first half. You know, he played at Florida State. Um, I know there was a, a Reggie Tungsung who plays. He transferred from Georgia. And, and there's a lot of these guys that are, that are, that are going to, you know what, I, I'm not fitting in here or I don't see my opportunity here. I'm going to move over to this place and try my hand over there. And mm-hmm. it, it benefits smaller schools like Oregon State. It really Because it allows you – because you're going to get a potentially a, a recruit that – well, you couldn't recruit off the get-go, but being that they're not 
fitting in well in their most of these guys are seniors juniors and seniors some some are some are sophomores but and some wow. beats they're just they don't feel like i'm not gonna get i'm not gonna get out of where i'm at on the depth chart i'm gonna go find a place where i can get a little bit higher and a lot of the beach you don't need the best guys at every position you need the best team you know what i mean um, yeah football is such a team sport you know game like basketball you can have a guy that's phenomenal and he can carry a lot of that team but in football you can have the best quarterback in the world but there's no guys blocking for him and no one out there catching the ball it doesn't do you any good Mm -hmm. and if you can get the best team and you get 11 guys that are all pointed in the same direction working on the same goal you can get a lot more done than a couple of great guys yeah, I, I I've always felt that with Oregon State, that's that's yeah. where our strength has been. Yeah. So and like I said, it was that was a fun game to watch. And like I said, they were just constantly punching them in the mouth. It was great to see. Great to see. The, I, just, I loved how I, they were running down their throat. Well, and then they're they're out there grabbing chainsaws because they were earning the chainsaw. Well, and what uh, they have? They had I, five. I seen that much. Six. Five turnovers in that game. They had, oh, yeah. They had, yeah. They had three they had three picks and I believe two fumbles. That last one that last interception was gorgeous. Oh yeah. Well, and then you had uh, Jack Coletto, you know. Yeah, that was Coletto's Coletto's interception. He just he just reached up yeah. over his head and pulled that one down. Oh. Yeah. It was great. He, he, was, he was Yeah, he was just standing there watching the quarterback's he, eyes. He was falling back in that zone and the quarterback was looking past him and he just mm-hmm. skied up there and grabbed it. I know that was great. Plus Coletto had two touchdowns on those one yard runs where, mm-hmm. where they get in deep and it's like, well, we're going to put in the, the jackknife, you know, the jack of all mm-hmm. trades and just have them going there. Anyways, I, I, great game, fun to watch. And you know what pissed me off? So I've never seen the Beavs win in LA, right? To me, it's yep. one of the final two streaks. The Beavs need to put the bed. What's the last streak? We won't talk about that one. Okay. That's the big one. Okay. That's the big one. Some might want, gotcha. someone might say that that streak is the granddaddy of them all. I can understand that name. Yes, exactly. So we're not going to talk about it. But the last couple times, I've gone down and seen you, and you've gone with me, where we've mm-hmm. gone down and seen Oregon State play at USC. The last couple been, times, I thought. Tw- I've been down there twice. Exactly. The last couple times, I thought the Bees had a chance to put this streak to bed. I thought they had a hell of a chance coming in this year, but I just couldn't swing it with with work and stuff it just wasn't yeah. gonna work and i'm like you know son because my thought was i want to be there when they put this streak under and so this year going into it i'm like son of a bitch they're gonna f- kill this streak and i'm not going to be there to see it sure enough damn it they did but i it was fun to watch even if i had to do it on tv i'll i'll have to say though i was when we went uh, when we were flipping the channels back at halftime and we were watching the husky game mm-hmm it made me realize how good a quality FS1 does for their uh, their broadcast. Oh, their broadcasts are excellent. Yeah, because when we flipped over to the Husky uh, game, the the quality of the filming on that, angles and everything else, really pretty bad. And I, and I think it was under the uh, the Pac-12. I network. think that's just a Pac-12 network. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, not not very not very good at all. Yeah. Fox you, Sports you really is right up there. Yeah. Yeah, you really make sure you appreciate the angles and and their their I don't know if you call it fil- they're just their their angles and filming, just yeah. great. Just their camera work. Yeah, yeah, they do a nice yeah. job. 
So, anyways, great, a great game for the Beavs. They still have some things to clean up. We're talking about penalties. They had way too many penalties. One of one of USC's um, scoring drives, there was four consecutive penalties, four consecutive first down causing penalties. That that put put basically put USC in the end zone. I I really feel mm-hmm. that if it wasn't for all those penalties, the Beavs would have totally beat the crap out of USC, even mm-hmm. more than what it was. Yeah. So, but anyways, great win, and I only hope to see you know bigger things. We were we've already gone through all these games, you know the the Pac-12 right now, just it's kind of in a meltdown mode this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you got in the South, you've got Arizona State, UCLA, and Utah, all at one and zero in the pack, but they've all got losses. Utah is two. The Trojans mm-hmm. are two and two, one and two in the pack. Colorado's one and three. Arizona's horrible. Um, in the North, Oregon looks good, but they still—I mean—they damn near got beat by Fresno in the first game of the season. I thought yep. Arizona was way too close for most of this game against them. Mm-hmm. But then they did—they did do a good job against the Ohio State. Yeah, the, yeah, they did. But how good's Ohio State? They haven't looked phenomenal. Yeah, you know. And I, I just think the I think the Pac-12 is wide open this year, including the North. I think so too. Including the North, so, um, you know, and and the Beavs take on Washington next week in the second game of the Pac-12 season for the Beavs. And I just it, 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 you know, I think I think the Beavs are a lot better than a lot of the pundits are giving them credit for. Um, I think they've got a lot of things coming together well. And I just like the way the schedule, you know, sits together. I don't know if you remember. Remember the, the 2000 season when the Bees went to the Fiesta Bowl? Yes. Yeah. And the Beavs, you know, had some struggles through those early games. I mean, they damn near lost to Eastern Washington in the first game of the season. But then in that first Pac-12 game, who did they take it to? Do you remember? I do not remember, Billy. Your, your, your memory's much better on games than I am. Beat USC for the first time in like 20-some-odd years? Yeah. Now, in that second Pac-12 game of the season, they stumbled up at Washington. Mm-hmm. That was our only loss. We'll see what happens this year. Yeah. Because we took it to USC this year. Mm-hmm. The second game against Washington. It's kind of interesting that... This is interesting because it's almost the same schedule, isn't it? It's similar. I'm just putting yeah. that out there. Yeah. I don't. No one. No one else. No one else I've seen has said that. But I've got a long memory. I I, I remember these things. I know so, it's longer than your other. It's longer than your other. So. Longer than my patience with you sometimes. All right, Beach. Let's talk about the Pac-12 in the polls. It's kind of sad. There are only two teams ranked in the top 25. Out of the Pac-12. From the Pac-12. Yep. Uh, so Oregon and UCLA. Oregon is at number four. They remained mm-hmm. constant. And UCLA moved up four spots to number 20. And in the okay. other receiving votes category, you've got Arizona State. And Oregon State. Really? Yep. Got four votes. Hey. Then in the UCA, USA Today coaches poll, Oregon moved up one spot to number three. UCLA moved up four spots to number 20, which I find funny because now UCLA is one spot ahead of Fresno State, who beat them last week. 
That's odd. I just I find that weird. But then in the other mm-hmm. other teams receiving votes category, you have Arizona State and Oregon State with seven votes. Nice. Yep, that's their first time they've gotten votes since like week four or five of 2014. Been a couple years. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to see. Good to see. I'm just I, I was like I said I was really pleased with that win. I just thought they played a great game. And I just love to see him being so physical up front and pushing people around. I just want to see it keep happening. All right, Beach. As our normal weekly segment, it is time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week, we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beach, it's going to a player. Really? Have you heard about this? I haven't. I'm Billy. I'm I, I'm in like a mushroom. I'm in the dark and fed shit. What do we got? Yeah. Well, you were talking about Ohio State. This is an Ohio State player. Ooh. Okay. Ohio State linebacker Kevon Pope has been dismissed from the team following a highly publicized incident on Saturday in which he was escorted off the field during the Buckeyes win against Akron. This is according to a statement from Coach Ryan Day on Sunday. Now. Day said, quote, Kayvon will continue to have the use of the programs that benefit our student-athletes, such as our student-athlete support services office, and we will support him with his progress towards graduation. He will remain on scholarship through the duration of this semester. But obviously, Beach, after that, he will no longer be on scholarship. Now, according wow. to reports, Pope tried to enter the game in the second quarter, but was waved off by linebacker Terada Mitchell. Pope walked toward the locker room, but an Ohio State staffer brought him back to the sideline. Now, according to that report, Pope then threw his gloves into the stands and attempted to take off his jersey on the sideline. A few Ohio State coaches had conversations with him before he was escorted by a staffer into the locker room. Once there, he sent out a couple tweets, and in a since-deleted tweet, Pope wrote, quote, F Ohio State while the game was still happening. He also tweeted out, quote, good luck to my teammates, and left that tweet on his feed. Then on Sunday, Pope tweeted an apology, quote, last night I let my emotions get the best of me. For what I want to for that, I want to apologize to my teammates, coaches, and Buckeye Nation. I made a mistake and know that I need to do be better and do better. I'm going to take this time to reflect and work on my mental well-being. Pope has played in 33 career games and has three tackles this season. He's the second linebacker to leave the program in the past week. Dallas Grant entered the transfer portal on Wednesday after seeing minimal amount of playing time this season. So, yeah, I just this is just, you know, he's in his third year, so he's 20, 21. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I understand you're pissed. What the hell? Are, Was he pissed because he wasn't going into the game? Because he thought he should be going into the game. Okay. And this is the problem with, with some of this. It's like the guy transferring. It's it's the one problem with the transfer rules, right? Mm-hmm. These guys will cut bait and leave instead of putting in some work sometimes. Um, yeah. But it's just like, dude, you're, you're, you're 20, 21 years old. Why are you tweeting that kind of crap out? Mm-hmm. Even if that's how you feel, that's just stupid. Yeah. And, and that's the problem with so many of these kids anymore. They just – say stupid things 
that stuff lives on. Somebody will take a screenshot of it and it won't go away. Yep. And it was just, it's just stupid. And I, I you just hate well, to see I mean, it. I mean, well, in fact that cost him his scholarship. I mean, yeah, he's got it through the term. That ain't a whole heck of a lot of time. Yep. You've got this he one. Just pissed, and... He just pissed away a ton of money. Yep. And, uh, and opportunity. Yep. yep. So for just, for being so emotional and immature, Kayvon Pope, you get this week's. Jackass of the week. All right, Beach, it is now time for this week's musical interlude. What tune from 1991 are you going to lay on us tonight? You know, this this one's an interesting one. Um, so I'll just, so I wasn't sure what to pick. So my, my musical taste from the 90s usually uh, harbor towards hard rock, right? Yep. And and I don't want to duplicate myself. I'm trying to stay away from ACDC and Guns N' Roses and Queen and all these ones because we already kind of touched them. So so I'm trying to find something a little bit outside of my normal comfort zone. And this one popped up. And not only do I enjoy the song, but it's got a great little story behind it. So uh, the 1991 hit song, Walking in Memphis, originally originally done by singer and songwriter Mark Cohn, poetically recalls his first visit to Memphis, the tap brute for some of his treasured influential musicians, uh, for some of the uh, some of his treasured influential musicians like Al Green, Elvis Presley, and Isaac Hayes. Uh, the song embodies a lot of the spirit and character of the city. If you're passing through or spending leisure time in town, lines from the song point out uh, great things about Memphis and some potential sightseeing spots. It's kind of interesting. So the, the story goes that Cohn was having a dry spell coming up with songs and, and lyrics. And he was inspired by songwriter James Taylor, who had said that he broke his writer's block by going somewhere he'd never been and then got, got inspiration from that experience. And so Cohn picked Memphis as his place to visit. So when you listen to the song, um, he actually references a ton of things throughout Memphis. Mm-hmm. So he t- he talks about the Sun Studio. Uh, so in the first line of the song, Cone mentions Blue Suede Shoes, a reference to the rockabilly song Blue Suede Shoes that was originally recorded by Carl Perkins and made famous by Elvis Presley. Elvis recorded it at the Sun uh, Records in Memphis on Union Avenue. Uh, he talks about Lansky Brothers. and You can purchase a pair of Blue Suede Shoes from Lansky Brothers in downtown Memphis. And then he mentions uh, the reference of the ghost of Elvis on Union Avenue. Uh, was timely when Cohn wrote the song. When Cohn actually, even though the song came out in '91, he was in Memphis in 1986 is when he got inspired for this. So Elvis had only been dead for about nine years at that point, and there were many conspiracy theories that Elvis was still walking around or his ghost was around. And so Union Avenue is a major thoroughfare for car traffic in Memphis uh, that leads directly to Graceland. And so uh, people swear they saw Elvis's uh, ghost on that road quite a bit. Um, then uh, he talks about, uh, mentions the gates of Graceland and Elvis's tomb. Um, so the, the, um, one of the more famous rooms at Graceland is the Hawaiian-styled jungle room. Uh, is known for the deep green shade carpet and tropical decor, uh, including carved wooden furniture. And... Um, he mentions the jungle room in the, in the song. Do you remember the, are you remembering these parts of the song, Billy? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
Okay. He talks about Beale Street. Uh, he talks about W.C. Handy Park and, and the uh, W.C. Handy statue. Uh, but the cool part is um, when he talks about the Hollywood. So he said uh, yeah, when he was in the, the Delta, he saw a sign that said Hollywood, which turned out to be the Hollywood Cafe, which is a small diner music joint in Tanika County, Mississippi. Uh, this is where Cohn smelled the catfish and encountered a black woman in her 70s named Muriel, who he directly talks about in this song, uh, who was playing uh, at the piano. After watching Muriel play a variety of spirituals and Hoagie Carmichael songs for about 90 minutes, he spoke with her uh, when she took a break. Cohen's mother died when he was just two years old, and he lost his father at age 12. He spent a lot of time reconciling his childhood, which often comes out in his songs. Speaking with Muriel, he got maybe the best therapy of his life. Cohen described this conversation in his 1992 interview with Q Magazine, saying, She was real curious. She seemed to have some kind of intuition about me, and I ended up telling her all about my family, my parents, how I was a musician looking for a record deal, the whole thing. Then it must have been about two in the morning. She asked me to sing with her, and we do about an hour. Me and this lady I've never met before, hardly a song I knew, so she's yelling the words at me. Then at the end, as the applause is rising up, she leans over and whispers in my ear. She's whispering, You've, you've got to let go of your mother, child. Uh, she didn't mean to die. She's where she's got to be, and you're where you have to be. Child, it's time to move on. So that it's kind of a, a touching little moment. Uh, the Hollywood Cafe is still there. You drive right past it as you go several uh, to several of the casinos uh, now located in Tanika. Muriel and Cohen kept in touch, and she attended his wedding in New York. Cohen saw her again when he took another trip down south and played her some of his new songs, but Muriel died in 1990 before the song ever was released. So anyway, so there you go, a little bit of background. And for your listening pleasure, here is Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohen. shoes and I boarded the plane touched down in the land of the Delta Blues in the middle of the pouring rain WC handy won't you look down over me yeah I got a first class ticket but I'm as blue as a boy can be then I'm walking in Memphis Walking with my feet ten feet off a beam Walking in Memphis But do I really feel the way I feel Saw the ghost of Elvis On Union Avenue Followed him up to the gates of Graceland Then I watched him walk right through now security, they did not see him They just hovered around his tomb But there's a pretty little thing Waiting for the king Down in the jungle room When I was walking in Memphis I was walking with my feet Ten feet off a beam Walking in Memphis
That does veer off what you and I normally pick type songs that we pick. Yeah. You know, you, you listen to it and you know, so many songs are, are just kind of uh, rambling or made up. And, and this one here, you know, he's almost telling the story of his trip there and then running into Muriel. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, you know, and where he says, uh, she said, are you a Christian? And he said, well, I am tonight. You know, it was it was kind of like uh, he he was quoted saying it was kind of like his come to Jesus moment. Mm. You know, cool. So yeah, great so, song. Great yeah, song. and I, I yeah, and I love like I said his little comment on the jungle room and stuff. He kind of emphasized. I think just great, great, yeah, fun, fun song. All right, all right, Beach. Are you ready to start looking at week number five in the Pac-12? Week five. It's like the season's halfway over. I know. Okay, what do we got? All right, Beach. We are going to. Looks like we've got six games. Five we will be picking. First up, USC at Colorado. I think USC is going to get a win this week. <laughs> you going to take USC? I am. Kyle says. Wife says Colorado. 
USC is all sad from last week. I'm going to take USC. Really, really, Kyle? Really? Yeah, he's putting it off on his wife there. He's putting it off on mine. Well, didn't he blame the kids last week? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He blames the girl. He blames his daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take USC. I I think USC is in disarray, but I don't think Colorado is that good. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thought. Yeah. And USC just has better athletes all over the field. And and both coaching for both teams to me is suspect, but I'll take the better athletes. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, Beach, up next, Oregon at Stanford. You know what I have trouble with this is the fact that Stanford has gotten Oregon in the past. Mm-hmm. It's at Stanford, but I don't know how good Stanford is. Mm-hmm. They they lost to Akla. God dang it. But they beat USC. I'm going to go with Stanford. Kyle says, Ducks and the refs beat Stanford. I, too, am going to take Oregon. I just don't think Stanford's very fast. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is hurting them right now. Oregon okay. State's got some speed. Oregon's definitely got speed. Mm-hmm. Speed that kills. I can You can coach guys. You can coach guys up on technique. You can make them better. But for the most part, you can't make them faster. Yeah. And I think I think Oregon's got them on speed. So I'm going to take Oregon. All right. Okay. So two Oregons and a Stanford. Next up, Washington State at Cal. It's like picking turds, man. Picking turds. Um I will I hate taking hippies, so I'm going to take uh Washington State. Kyle says Pac-12, North Battle in the Basement, Cal. I, too, am taking Cal. Really? Yeah, they're home. I just don't think – I think there's going to be a coaching change up there soon at Wazoo. Mm Mm-hmm. How long has he been up there now? This is his second second season, yeah. Okay. But they're having issues because he doesn't – from what I understand, he doesn't want to get vaccinated or he doesn't want to disclose it. And they've got a state mandate up there. The the coach? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Okay, Beach. Next up, Arizona State at UCLA. This is actually probably one of the stronger games of the week. That's an interesting game, yes. Um I'm going to take bitch tits because it's at UCLA. Okay, you're taking UCLA. Kyle says ASU because F Chip Kelly. He's consistent. I really don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. It's like, again, it's like picking turds. I'm going to take Arizona State. Yep, I'm going to take okay. Arizona State. You know this. This is really going to uh, change up the scoring next week. You could you could be having an insurmountable lead. 
or I could be tied. <laughs> well, no, because you, you, there's only four games. There's only five games that were mm-hmm. four games we're picking. Who? Let's see who's got the week off. It's week of of six here because you and I are off on three games. Yeah, there are three. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um. So that's a there we go. So yeah, there's only five games. So who doesn't play this week? Um, one, two. Oh no, every, no. This one, two, three. So two teams aren't playing. Oh no, Arizona. And who else? No Utah. So no Arizona, no Utah. So be interesting week. Interesting week. And yes, Beach so. with that, the Beavs playing at home, obviously. We all will be picking the beeves over Washington. Kyle says, I'm thinking it's going to be another great weekend to be a beef. I do too. I really do. I, I'm excited for a good game. Me too. And uh, I'm really excited for the tailgate. Yes, Beach. So let's talk about that. Um, kickoff is 6 p.m. We will be doing our normal start time damn early. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're doing cheesesteaks this week. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll have all the fixings for that. Now, in the we had talked about doing Ivers clam chowder. Mm-hmm. Are we going to want to do that? What's the weather supposed to be like? Do we have a weather update? Um, let me look. Let's see what the weather forecast is. Saturday, high of 75, low of 47. Hmm. Quite the range, but should be warm for most of that. Pretty game. pretty and warm. I don't think we need to do rain. chowder. Yeah. I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't think so either. I'll have to figure out something else to do for Washington to theme it. Maybe we'll do something with apples. Yeah, always good with apples. Yeah. There was, uh, yeah. I just think the chowder's overkill. Maybe we have some apple empanadas that we can oh. find at uh, Cash and Carry. I will. I will look for something like that. Yeah. I will look for something like that. And we're going to have a lot of fries. Because we have a lot of leftover fries. Because we have a lot of fries. (laughs) So there'll be a lot of fries, all that kind of deep fried stuff. Do you want me to get anything special for lunch? Um, You know what we need? What? We need a pump ranch thing for fries. Pump ranch? Yeah, like do they do they make ranch in a in a pump like 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 ketchup? Um, no, I just had to buy one. Oh, okay. But I'm just thinking if we're gonna have a lot of fries, it's good to have a lot of ranch. Yeah, I can bring some ranch out. Okay, let's let's um, do that. But uh, how many how many buns do you think I should get? You know, I'm, 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 thinking... I'm getting I'm getting those good traditional. Philly Italian rolls that we had before. Okay. So I'm thinking. They're so, eight inch buns and they come in a 40, 40 count. I'm thinking at least 120. You think three cases? I think so. What do you think? I was thinking we, two. We, we normally do. Normally we have what? About a hundred to 120. You think our numbers are going to be down with COVID? I don't know. All I know is that's a lot of damn sandwiches. But we, we're up to, uh, I, I guess we just beat USC. I just kind of think there might be a lot of people going to the game. think so? 
And it's six o'clock game, so that's that's a little bit later than normal, but that's not a bad game time. Okay. It still gets you done by nine thirty or ten. It's not like the seven o'clock game that we had before. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking three cases. I'm thinking three cases. Let me let me double check. Make sure it comes in forty count. These are eight inch buns too, so they're they're larger. Oh, okay. Um, let me see. Okay, so. Oh, sorry, 72 count. So two cases? Two cases. Yep, 72 8-inch. Does that sound good? So that that would would give us 400. I thought it was was 40 count, but it's 72 count, 8-inch buns. So that would give us 140, not Mm -hmm. 400. Yeah, yep. So that would be pretty good. All right, we'll do that, and we'll have our normal cheeses. Okay. We'll have uh, cheddar, we'll have provolone, and we'll have the Whiz. I love the Whiz. Anything else you can think of? Onions, peppers, I, I, mushrooms? Yeah, and don't do fungus, but everything else sounds awesome. Cool. And we'll just do our we'll do our normal stuff, and uh, we'll have our chips and dips and veggies and all that kind of crap, plus your deep-fried yep. goodness. It's going to be awesome. This is the one where I do all the work and you get to sit back. Well, I'm always working, but yeah, I don't have to work as hard. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like last time. I was overseeing stuff, but all my work went in beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that sounds good. I look forward to this. I think it'll be delicious. And it's going to prelude a great game. I'm hoping so. I really want to see the beeves go take it to you, Doug. Take it to you, Doug. I think we got to, we got to, season's looking very promising right now looking fun anyway all right well i want to thank everyone for listening to show number 164 of illegal participation let's comment send a suggestion or ask a question heinrich tailgater gmail.com at heinrich tailgater on twitter heinrich tailgater on facebook remember to listen to subscribe on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher radio spotify iHeartRadio. leave a rating or review wherever you can beach billy i am excited for saturday just a few days for the tailgater and for the game. And it's going to be a dry day, so it means we're not going to have to fight the rain like we I know. Hey, hey, we did pretty good with the rain. Oh, not bad. Not yeah. bad. It's yeah. uh, always better when you've got to deal with it. I agree. Well, after a huge win over UC, USC at the Coliseum, this week it's time for a great big Go Beavs. I think that was more like a 2000 thing.
Yep. We are recording. Look at that. Sweetness. Where is that spot? Son of a bitch. I thought I had it. Oh, remember when I was trying to say that word last week? Mm. And I was playing it. My computer picked it up. So in the podcast, mm-hmm. you can actually hear it say it. Because I was playing it. So I cut that part out of the podcast, but I always put pieces at the end. Uh-huh. Like outtakes at the end. And so it's uh-huh. in the outtake. Where you can hear it going, whatever the hell it was saying. I don't remember what the word was. Yeah. You also don't know what I end every podcast with, do you? My shit? What do you do? You saying, I like beer. <laughs> every podcast ends with you going, I like beer. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? No, I did not. Because you, oh. you you did that song, I Like Beer, a few years ago. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's too good. So I clipped it out, and I've got that saved. And so after I'm done playing all the little outtakes I want to play, play, the last thing it says is you go is, I like beer. You're an asshole. I thought it's funny. You never knew I did that. No, no. That's I the never best part. Every, every time I, I put it in there, I giggle a little bit to myself. It's like, oh, Beach, if you only knew. I like beer. Let's, let me see if I can play it. I don't know if you can hear it. Let me see. I can. See, I don't know if I play it, if you'll be able to hear it. See, it says, I like beer, Beej. Oh, yeah. See, it won't play it. Oh, let's see. Maybe it will. I like beer. Did you hear it? Uh-uh. Oh. I like beer. <laughs> no, they'll hear it on the outtakes this week. I like beer. <laughs> All right. You ready to do this? Being so emotional and... What do I want to say? For... He's F-I-N-E fine. Yeah. For being so emotional and... Couldn't think of that damn word. No, no. I like beer. <laughs>